You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, Picasso Goldstein. July 29th, 1912. I have not left my studio in three weeks. I fear that even opening the door for but a moment would be long enough to let Picasso slip in and set eyes upon my artwork. I have come to believe that Picasso is not a painter, but a thief and a shapeshifter. I must hide myself from his gaze, lest he steal away my very soul. Claude passes me food under the door, and as a result I eat mostly sliced meats, thinly cut cheeses, and flattened baguettes which often bear the stamp of Claude's boot heel. Claude has also been instructed to squeeze through a perfumed sponge each morning so that I might invigorate my underarms. In return, I slide him out coins. I peer under the door and see his greedy fingers prying them off the floorboards like spiders eating flies. Since banning Picasso from my atelier, he has become fiendishly inventive and as agile as a howler monkey. At night, I see him in the shadows, creeping along the sill outside my window. Several days after blanketing over the glass with newspaper, word reached me through Claude that the evil genius had begun making collages. Out of what, you ask? Why, newspapers, of course. I give Picasso nothing, and still he takes. August 3rd. The sick, sad, twisted irony of it all is that my name, too, is Picasso. Picasso Goldstein. It is a childhood nickname. I was originally named Pegasus by my father, a scholar of ancient Greek. But my brother, Maurice, a blowfish-brained imbecile, could never pronounce Pegasus, and when he tried, it sounded like Pegabo, which my grandmother, a shrewish nitpicker, heard as Peccadillo. Once the census taker, an illiterate alcoholic slob, arrived at our door, my fate was sealed. Picasso was the name he scrawled across his clipboard. And that, as they say, was that. Sharing the evil bandit's name has not been easy. When introduced in society as Picasso the painter, I am met by glazed-over looks. I am not that Picasso, I say, my lower lip trembling and my upper lip sweaty. I am Picasso Goldstein. And they look at me as though I have just gargled and spat Armagnac onto the Davenport. Picasso has stolen my best ideas. He has stolen my patrons who have included marquises, counts, barons, and one British Columbian prince. He has stolen my galleries, my women, and my friends. He has even stolen my very name. He has left me with nothing. August 12th. Let us back up, shall we? A little bit of history so that you do not think me completely mad. The thievery all began in the summer of 1903, when a young, bright-eyed Pablo Picasso was brought to my studio by a mutual acquaintance a Madame Voyard, who carried about a curly lapdog that seemed to do nothing but produce shrill yips and poisonous flatulence. Pablo is an artist, too, Madame Voyard said, introducing us. I was most kind to the balding little homunculus, patting his head and encouraging him in his youthful artistic hobby. I showed him my work. 
"What's this?" he asked, gesturing towards a large painting of a nude. It was made entirely from various shades of blue. "It's a naked woman," I said, pinching his Buddha-like belly good-naturedly. "Never seen one of those, eh?" "But it's all in blue," he said. "I was too lazy to get up from my stool and fetch other colors," I said. It was several months after Picasso had left my studio that I saw in Le Journal a rave review of his new show. It featured works that would later be referred to as being of his blue period. I feel Picasso out there, his horrible eyes which see through studio walls. His alien brain, which is psychic and robs me of my ideas at the moment of their conception, but I remain steadfast, thinking nothing, saying nothing, looking at nothing. I keep my mind as blank as my canvases. For as soon as I create, he appropriates, turning what is starkly, boldly original into a facsimile. The genius of Picasso's theft, master purloiner that he is. Is how he leaves in his wake the crown of banditry upon my head, to be forever perceived as the thief of my own work. August fifteenth. Even in locked seclusion, I tremble at the thought of painting. I fear that the fiend sits crouching outside my door, his ear pressed against it, using his supernatural talents for theft. He tries to decipher and reconstruct into images the sound of my masterful brushwork. It was with these unique gifts for thievery in tow that he paid me a visit in 1907. I wish nothing more than to just throw him down the stairs, but manners being what they are, I let him in. He carried with him a basket of bread and a block of cheese he had fiendishly whittled into a bust of Gertrude Stein. I thought you might find this amusing," he said smilingly. "What is it with you and that woman?" I asked. "Why don't you just go ahead and paint her picture already?" Picasso weighed the notion. "Maybe I shall," spoke the serpent. "Maybe I shall." August nineteenth. Yesterday. Waking up with the fires of creativity burning like Tijuana pickled peppers in my gut, I felt the need to paint, and so I set about working on some tiny watercolors, no more than the size of cufflink buttons. In this way, I reasoned, I could hunch over them, protecting them from invisible eyes. I set upon my subject from memory, my childhood viola instructor. A taciturn, ungenerous Aunt Doris type with the perennial expression of a perplexed bonobo. With careful, teeny brushstrokes, I captured the upturned slant of her horrid smile, and with delicate pinks, the pinks of a lady suicide's perfumed bubble bath water, I brought her to life once more. For the first time in weeks, I managed a smile. Sweet, sweet art, my savior and sole confidant. It was like unleashing a flood of passion within my soul. It was only as I poured the excess-colored water down the drain that a cold shudder ran through me. I imagined Picasso down there, in the pipes, licking his chops like a sewer rat. A pan lifted above his head to catch the drippings of my brushes, readying himself to run home and, in his alchemist's laboratory, separate the black water into colors, my colors, 
decode my tints, half tints, and the thieving gutter snipe, my quarter tints. Never. I crushed the tiny masterpiece with my thumb and drank the remaining paint water. I then vowed never to paint again, not until I knew with certainty that France was rid of Picasso. August 22nd. Upon my order, Claude spent the entire day following Picasso through the Champs-Élysées. He was with a mustachioed man, reported Claude through the door. They laughed and ate wedges of cheese. Before going home, Picasso purchased a bucket. Idiot! Singe! Tête gonflée! I screeched. I don't care about the bucket. What did they speak of? Did he mention my name? Did you hear him utter the word art? I needed to know what Picasso was up to. I was furious. If Claude and I were not separated by the door, I would have plucked my dandy stick from the umbrella rack and beaten the back of his calves to a cerise red. August 25th. I fear I might be growing mad. The sharp memory of a long-past party both Picasso and I attended woke me abruptly from my three o'clock cognac nap. I remember each detail with painful clarity. The party was hosted by Dominique Saint-Jacques, a banker and respected art collector. Picasso was holding several partygoers captive with one of his interminable stories about bullfighting. I had imbibed several glasses of absinthe and was overtaken by a spirit of conviviality. It is a feeling I am only touched by three or four times every ten years and so I decided to indulge it. I pushed my way through the crowd and approached the little ogre. Pablo, I said, interrupting the conversation, I have been told that you and I bear a striking and uncanny resemblance. The truth was that it was more an observation of my own than anyone else's. It was a conclusion I came to after alternating my gaze between a copy of his self-portrait and my image in the mirror for close to an hour. Fixing me with his hypnotic, thieving eyes, Picasso said, We look nothing alike. I was only trying to be nice, I muttered under my breath. Inside I was burning. Walking home shortly afterwards, I stopped at the fountain at Saint-Sulpice to nibble at the flesh of my fingertips. You should be so lucky to look like me, I shouted up at the sky. Thinking once again upon that ancient humiliation filled me with renewed rage, and before I knew it, I was turning over tables and ripping apart my mattress with my palette knife. I will have to sleep tonight on the hard, cold studio floor. September 1st. Claude tells me that Picasso has exhibited a painting called Les Demoiselles d'Avignon. He slipped a shoddy sketch of the abomination under my studio door, drawn in his pudgy idiot's hand. Even with his crude, caveman-like draftsmanship, I could see what it was. A blatant rip-off of my drawing, Les Putains Malades. It was a study of herpes sores I had drawn for a medical textbook the previous year. The composition, the poses, it was all my work, ingested and regurgitated. On my hands and knees, I screamed under the door crack that Picasso was the devil. And so, Claude, are you, I screamed. Tête dure, salaud, swine. 
September 7th. Claude has been starving me out. He has slipped neither meat nor cheese under my door in several days. I now know that he works for Picasso. From the day I met him, I knew Claude was not to be trusted. At this moment, I wish nothing more than to be able to beat him with my tea kettle as I once did in better days. I know that now I am truly alone. September 15th. I am done with art. It is an evil temptress that, along with Picasso, has destroyed my life. I have spent the day in a rage, breaking my paintbrushes into tiny pieces and flinging paint against the walls and unused canvases of my studio. Everything is a mess of drippings and splatter. At long last, I am satisfied, for I have created chaos, and the beauty of chaos is that it cannot ever be stolen. Thank you so much, John. It's no problem. Letting um, me into the studio like this, I, I appreciate it so, so much. <laughs> what are you making such a big deal about? It's fine, but I don't understand. What exactly? You, you, what, what, what do you? What do you need to do with uh, me? I'm applying for a research position at this new radio show I heard of. That sounds great. You know, with all my experience on the show on Wiretap, it's it's, uh-huh. it's really good. It's it's really giving me a leg up. It kind of has gives me the you know the credentials I need. And and what do you have to do here? Basically, I need something called a reported piece. It could be a profile of, of anyone. I figure a celeb like you. I mean, what, no. I, Howard? No, I mean, no, no! Don't don't be bashful. This is. I'm not exactly. A you're a celebrity. Star. I thought it could be a, a really good, so insightful. And this is what you're going to include with your application. Yeah. Well, oh, this is all this right. Kind of okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? If I mean, Howard, if I could be of any help to you, great. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to help you out. Okay, great. You'll do your little interview. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. All right. Let's just. Uh, let, okay. Go ahead. It's being recorded now. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Oh, why are you putting on those reading glasses? I'm just, just, you just relax and you're... Do you, wear, you don't wear glasses. No, but this helps me. How does it help you? Can it you puts me see? In the, it puts me in an intellectual mindset. Well, you look very professional. Thank you. All right. Jonathan Goldstein. Yes. Okay, just, when I address you, you'll know it, okay? This is just my little... Wait, I believe you were just... There's a question, period, but right now this is just something else. Okay, here we go. Jonathan Goldstein. Yes. What, what the hell is this? Call and response? I, you're, you're saying my name. I know, I'm but this is a part. It's a part of okay, my Okay, you point to me uh, when, when you want to... me to talk. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to look at you in the eyes. Very professional. Okay, right now, I'm looking at my papers. Jonathan Goldstein, a name that taunts and haunts us, beckons and repulses us. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry to interrupt. Who are you talking to right now, then? I'm... I'm I'm, this, this is you're, part of my piece. This you're is my re- intro. Okay, hang on a second. You're reading your script, yeah, right? Yeah, this is what I'm. You're not supposed down. to do that in front of the person that you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You do the interview. You take it into mm-hmm. your editing suite. You mm-hmm. you edit the tape and then you write your script. Okay. Okay, that's good. Is what I'm saying registering? Yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening. It's you're good. not listening. I am. I, I can I, see I you get that glazed look on your face. I, I appreciate your wisdom and your insight. And what did just, I just say? You said that, you said, 
you know, that, that there's an order to uh-huh, things. That's and, right. And to, 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 to each its own season. And I didn't say that. Something about leaves or something. I don't know what you're talking about. You know what? You just point at me when you D- want me. Darn straight. Okay. okay. All right. Just, I'm going. I'm gonna, all right. Okay. Here we go. Jonathan Goldstein, a name that taunts and haunts us, beckons and repulses us. But who was this man? The face behind that silken yet authoritative voice, whiny yet abrasive, shrill but also grating. Okay, Howard. I... Shh. Who was this man? This broadcaster known equally for his prowess with words. As for his fondness for drink and general debauchery. Okay, Howard, where do you get the, with, with, with the drinking? What do you mean? You get something you don't enjoy a strawberry daiquiri. I, if I'm at a bar mitzvah or something on yeah. a special occasion. Look, it adds color. I mean, do you want me to get this job or not? I, I, well, I, I do, but I mean... High school report. I, I want to show some serious journalism here. Yeah, but you're, you're lying. You ever heard of Ballyhoo? No. What do you do, in all honesty? I mean, you get up, mm-hmm. you know, you have, you have a, a cup of warm milk or something, and you come to the student, you work for eight hours, and you go home, and you sleep... I want to show Jonathan Gold, the Jonathan Goldstein that I know, the drunk, the, the, the wild I'm not man. A dr- what are you talking about? Who is the this? The philanderer. All right, but this is just for, it's not going to be. No, no. This is just for this. Uh, okay, it's right. like an exercise. Absolutely. Right. It's a little exercise. Right. It's like jumping jacks. Okay. I mean, this is good for your health. It's good for your health, maybe. It's good for my health, yeah. It's okay. It's all for the good. Continue, please. All right, here we go. I needed to know more. The world needed to know more. Armed only with pad, pencil, and antibacterial hand cream. I resent that. Shh. The little breathing room. I'm going to shut my mouth. You do your thing. Okay. All keep, right. Keep it shut. Keep it shut. Oh, it's good. Yeah, okay. It's fine. Good. Okay. Shut it. Yeah. Shut it tight. Okay. Shut up and keep it shut. Who was this man? Sorry. Who was this man? I set off to find the truth. Ignorant of the sheer wretchedness I was soon to behold. What is that? I'm doing like the ominous music in the background to show. Like, Ma- I don't see how you can't get this job. No, this was not going to be a ravaged celeb interview scenario. There were no interns, no clipboard-toting publicists. Just word from Goldstein's mom. Who wait, pe- wait, wait, did you just mention my mom? Yeah, uh, just word from Goldstein's mom. Yeah, who picked up the phone when I called looking for him. The old Sal was washing hey, his ha- Whoa, Howard. Lighten up. Is this going to happen like every second? Wait, I don't want you calling. You, you, it's, you, it's your mom. Your mom's your mom. Your you mom's just called hip- my mother a cow. Your mom is hip to this. First of all, I called her a Sal, not a cow. That's going to... Your mom Your mom only wants the best for me. She knows that I've had a troubled youth, and she would only want for me to have some success. And if you were anything of her child... All right, all same. right, okay. Uh, where was I? You, you, you were at the part about my mother being a Sal. Right. The old Sal was washing his dishes, an attempt, she said, to make some extra booze loot. It was, after all, a long weekend. By the sound of it, she was already well into the homestretch of an afternoon spent sucking back highballs and demoriers. My mother doesn't drink. She doesn't smoke. I, where, where do you get this stuff? He's at his favorite bar, she slurred. The Brass Bull. Ah, the Brass Bull. Perhaps the meanest, most low-down dive of a bar in the city. How fitting. When I entered the building... A sallow-faced orangutan-like man peered at me through the iron-barred window. Goldstein, eh? Follow me. What is this, like a speakeasy, like in the, in, in the 1920s? It's exactly what I'm trying to conjure up here. Smoky bars, black-and-white movies, hooligans and thugs, and mm-hmm. opening the door to the backroom bar, a foul odor screamed out, and there he was. The ordinary host glanced my way, acknowledging my presence with a nod, a nod lead heavy with booze, frustration, and rage. Can I just correct something here, just on a grammatical level, I think, if I may? 
How can a nod convey rage? Like this. How could... That, I can't... Howard, you're banging the microphone. I'm banging the mic, I'm full of rage. Okay, here we go. He was only 37, yet to any objective eye, this bloated booze hound could easily pass for 60. What did he care? His canvas was radio. It's, it's the Fatty Arbuckle story you're telling. Does a voice have a face? If it did, this one would look like rum-marinated ground pork. That's really r- disgusting. I composed myself and ventured my first question. Okay, now now I'm going to... Oh, you know what we should do? We should make, like, bar sounds. Here, make sounds like you're in a bar. Where did you Rub get those bottles? Jug-a-rum. I brought them with me. Mm-hmm. Say, say jug-a-rum, jug-a-rum. I'm not, say, I'm not saying anything. John, it's going to work better. If How are you spilling beer all over the console? Don't worry, it's all... Say jug-a-rum. Jug-a-rum, jug-a-rum. Look, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not hey, maybe we can, we can tussle a bit. You want to give me a shove? No, I'm not going to shove you. Just, just, okay, There's we'll equipment in here. I know, we'll do it after, though. Just to All right, Howard, ask the question. Please. Hey, you, okay, sir. Howard, ask the question. Just say jug of rum. I'm not going to say jug of rum. Say jug of rum. I will not. Say jug of rum, then I can, we'll be over faster. Jug of jug rum. Jug of rum. Jug of rum. Jug of rum. Jug of rum. Thank you. We'll add that in. I think you have one of those, um, you have like a tool that allows you to layer. An yeah. editing Before system? These? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Editing. 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 It's editing. Editing. Here we go. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions here. Okay. Okay. Okay, let me a little, a little, just a little. You, you're looking well. Yeah, thank you. Okay, not to push mm-hmm. too much, but can you sound, just make yourself sound a little more drunk than you already are. Just a little more drunk. I'm not drunk at all. That's better. Uh, look, Howard, I'm not drunk. That's actually, Fear. That's actually perfect. Here we go. Um, I'm going to go right to it. Jonathan. I'm, I'm sorry, am I allowed to talk now? Yeah, because now I'm, I'm looking at you in the eye. All right, okay. Right? I'm, I'm staring into your eyes. Okay. I'm looking you straight in the eyes. All right, go, now go I'm ahead. Now I'm a question. Great, go. Okay? I got yes. my, legs, I got my go. legs crossed. I'm lowering my reading glasses to the tip of my nose. I'm looking at you. Here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Is it true you have a monkey named Bradley? This interview is oh, over. Okay, 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 okay. okay. I, I got a good question here. I have one. If you have, like, in real... No, I do, I do, I do, okay, I do. Uh, right, okay. So, so where do you get, you know, where do you get, you know, inspiration for, for radio pieces? I, I mean, I get my inspiration mm-hmm. from, from, from everything, you know, yes. from interacting with my friends and, mm-hmm. you know, like from watching mm-hmm. movies. Howard, you're chewing on the microphone cable. Sorry. You know, radio, radio producers. They say that once, this, while you're on a reading tour... You ripped apart a hotel room just because the milk wasn't room temperature. Do you're not even leaving. The radio host stammered and stuttered, flustered while facing the truth, the naked reality of his dismal life ripping through the cobwebs of his broken memory. Oh, my God. He was heavily inebriated and ignored my questions. What questions? Less afraid of my journalistic inquiries than missing last call. You know, I'm getting getting back to... He was babbling incoherently. The alcohol had taken its toll. This hooch happy host was clinging to the gin-soaked dreams of yesteryear. Howard, I'm going to leave the studio. Petrified I... by the present and fearful of the far-flung future. You think that's good journalism? When you make a, a, a series of words, you a, lies... A, a, alliteration, that... it's called. I think, uh, okay, one, let me just get this in before I forget. When you were arrested last year for driving I under never, I was DUI, never. you called one police officer a scoundrel and a scuzzball, and then you tried to strangle him. Okay, you know what, Howard? That's what you want? Okay, fine. Hit me. Go ahead. I'll answer your questions. Why did you kill that man in Florida? Because I found him messing around with my woman. Wow. Yeah. Next question. All right. Rumor has it. Yeah. 
that you insist on a glass of imported goat milk and monkfish roe every morning before you tape. That's right, yes. Is it true yeah. that you have a monkey named Bradley mm-hmm. and that you consider him your son? Before I shot it. I miss you, Bradley. Mm. Howard, please wrap it up. Finish. This is it. This is the very, all right, very okay, end. Okay, all right. This just is the finish. End. Okay? Finish. Here we go. How much booze can a man consume to erase the guilt, the pain, the ever-present pain? Raise a glass for him, my friends, for I can assure you, he is raising one himself, then another, then another, then another, then another. What are you doing? Hang on. Then another, then another. This has been Howard Chakwitz here on the Canadian Broadcasting Association of Radio. God. In closing, I'd just like to say that it would be an honor, nay, a privilege, to work for the great as it happens. Because as it happens, I need a job. Wait, Howard, w- w- what are you applying for here? That, that, that show, As It Happens? For, for, you know, for the news? Are you kidding me? I told you it was a, it was a, it was a new it You're was a sending show. this recording that we're doing right now to As It Happens. Mm-hmm. This now, what we're recording right now, you're going to be giving to them. After it's edited it. I'm very serious about it. I call them several times a day. I, I, I figure, like, you know, like, like if I'm persistent, I throw your name around like crazy. Oh, you do, huh? I say, I know Jonathan Goldstein, and I work with Jonathan Goldstein on the show Wiretap. And sometimes sometimes I'll even just call, and I just imitate you, and I just... Wait, you do an imitation I of just me? do, I do like a John Goldstein. Um, I just wanted to say, oh I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm John Goldstein. I'm, 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 I'm drunk. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, if this works out... And I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, we'll be colleagues. We spend more time together. I even bought a tie. I bought one of those crazy ties. Today's episode of Wiretap was written by Howard Chakovitz and Jonathan Goldstein and produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Bertwintonic and Carolyn Warren. Tune in to Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.